Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71 features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This story takes place in a a very small town in the northeast region of the United States in the summer before I went off to college in 2015. After I graduated high school, my parents decided to move to a smaller, more affordable house about 45 minutes north into the mountains. We stayed in my childhood home because the public schools in my area were the best in the state and my parents really valued my education. I ended up going off to an amazing university And now I have an incredible career because of my excellent education. As most people in the US know, amazing public education usually means higher property taxes. My parents got to the point where they could not afford the taxes on their 4,000 square foot home anymore and they decided to sell it just after I graduated from high school. Their home is humble and it sits on a beautiful piece of land on the side of a beautiful mountain. The trees are always really green and there's a lot of wildlife around too. They don't have many neighbors either as their driveway is about a mile and a half long. But this is what they chose to live in after I went off to college. In August of 2015, we moved into a new house. I wasn't planning on staying long as I was getting ready to head off to college as a freshman for the first time. 
we decided to have a little bit of a housewarming party with a bunch of family friends, and my best friend at the time came as well. My dad was manning the barbecue, my mum was making drinks, we were playing with our dogs. It was a really nice time and everybody had a lot of fun. My dad had built a brick fire pit in our backyard as well. And just to set the scene here for you, the fire pit was about 30 feet from our back patio door and we had a picnic table and other seats all around. Behind the seating was the tree line and sometimes at night it was incredibly dark. You needed a flashlight to see even 10 feet in front of you. With the fire pit lit, you couldn't really see somebody else unless they were either sitting next to you or across from you in front of the pit and what I'm getting at is that it was really hard to see. Anyway, my best friend decided to stay the night and we asked my dad if we could make some s'mores. As it was getting a little chilly, as it does in the late summer in the northeast at night, my parents left us outside with my dog Nino. Nino was a huge 100 pound black lab pit bull mix. He was such a loyal and incredible dog that my dad trained as his right hand man pretty much. He was our protector as he could run extremely fast, was very strong, and alerted us when something went bump in the night. Side note, he passed away a week before I got married in 2022. He was 17 years old and lived an adventurous life with my parents, hunting squirrels, laying out in the sun and running amok, so he had a good life. Nino, though, laid in between us facing the tree line, and my best friend was at my right. Our backs were to the dark, dense tree line, which was our first mistake. We were laughing, joking, and eating s'mores together, planning for the future and generally excited about going off to college together. She decided to play some music and we just relaxed, feeling content and at ease. It was a really, almost perfect summer night, until Nino started growling. I saw his ears perk up and his head sort of cocked to the side, he then sat up and continued to growl. My best friend and I both looked at each other, thinking Nino just heard a stray animal or something non-threatening. This area was known for lots of deer and rarely a coyote or a wolf as well. As he was trained to help my dad hunt deer, we assumed it was a buck or a fawn in the distance behind us. So we went back to singing along to the music playing and just talking about our fall 2015 class schedule. But again, Nino started growling, which was our second mistake. We didn't call out for my dad. We didn't even think that there was a problem until Nino started barking repeatedly, this time louder and more vicious. He stood up and started barking as if alerting us to activity beyond the tree line that we couldn't see. At this, we stood up as well, the fire obscuring our view. My best friend took her phone, paused the music and turned on her flashlight. She started to walk towards the edge of the tree line with Nino by her side, still growling and barking, alerting us to not go any further and to call for help. We stood still in silence, listening. I was too afraid to even breathe at this point, I think. She started walking into the woods, though, and when she shined her flashlight, she saw a figure. Someone was there, peering behind a tree. A man with a green suit and green pants on, about 5'11 with glasses too. We screamed and ran as fast as we could inside, leaving the fire unattended and this creepy man behind the tree. What we didn't know at the time is where this man actually came from. 
In any case, we crashed through our front door, breathless with Nino trailing behind us, and startled my mother, who was washing dishes at the time and cleaning up from the party. She was talking to my dad about something they saw on the news, and I think we cut him off mid-sentence to explain that there was a man dressed in all green lurking behind a tree in the woods. Obviously, we didn't know how long he'd been there or if he was still there, but we were both crying. I remember feeling extremely sick like I was about to throw up and my dad jumped up, grabbed his shotgun and headlamp and ran outside with Nino. My mum gathered us into the living room, shut all the lights off in the house and locked the doors. She told us to be quiet and that she was going to call 911. As she did that, my best friend and I shook in fear. We were anticipating gunshots and screaming at some point, but thankfully we never heard any. My mom, now on the phone with 911, described what we saw to the operator, and I heard my mom say, oh, in a really alarming way. At this point, my dad came back inside, and my mom let him know that the police were on their way to us. Being in a small town on the mountain with less than 10,000 people, that means that we don't get our own police force. We get the state police every time that there's a call made to emergency responders. My dad, though, he put his gun away and waited outside for the police to show up. And to our bewilderment, they didn't just send a police officer, but 10, and an entire SWAT team and helicopter to circle the area. We were obviously and rightfully terrified. I was practically having a panic attack at this point. The police officers came inside of our home and asked my best friend and me what the man was wearing, what he looked like, etc., if we were able to discern any scars or tattoos. We explained that we had matching green outfit and the glasses. The officer excused himself and alerted the police and the SWAT members outside of our description. They started to search the woods behind our home with guns drawn at this point, flashlights and the helicopter circling above too. They advised us to stay inside and that they would let us know when or if they found something. After about 25 minutes, we got another knock on our door. It was not one, but two officers this time. My dad let them in and they began to explain the situation. One officer explained that we must have seen on the news that a convicted felon from prison about 20 miles away escaped into the mountains. The police had apparently set up a perimeter of 10 miles around the prison, but the convict escaped them yet again somehow. The outfit that the man was wearing, as well as our description, signaled to them that the escaped convict was 100% lurking through our remote, densely wooded backyard that night. The all-green outfit was a standard issue for prisoners in my state at that time. They did not, however, find the man near us after 25 minutes of searching, which means that he was still out there somewhere. The officers let us know that they were going to have a squad car stay and watch our house for a few days as they were unable to locate the fugitive and believed that he's still an active threat to our safety. That night and for three nights after that, we all slept in the living room together. My dad's shotgun was within arm's reach of him at all times too. Later that week, we got another knock on our door from officers stationed outside of our home. They let us know that the man was back in police custody finally and that we were now safe. They advised us to get security cameras and how sorry they were that this happened to us. After that, my parents spent about $10,000 on security cameras and fencing for our backyard. It's now all fenced in and we have about four cameras to watch the tree line at all times too. 
And I guess because you just never really know what will actually happen or what goes bump in the night, it's probably worth it. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. This is an experience that I had a few years ago, which honestly made me a believer in the paranormal. And I hope you find it as interesting and as creepy as I did. So, I went out very early morning around 5am to take photos in the forest since I've always liked the vibe of the forest. Especially during the morning since it has a kind of calmness to it. I live in central Sweden where we have many deep forests everywhere where much of it is untouched. Think plenty of moss and old trees. This particular forest that I went to was quite near my home. However, since I lived in the countryside, I was very alone with nobody else around, for miles in fact. During this morning, there was also fog lingering in the treetops from the surrounding rivers, which looked very cool to be honest. So, I was really ready to take some really nice photos. I went into the forest after parking my car along the road that went beside it and started walking straight in. After maybe a hundred meters, I stopped to take some photos, mostly of dead trees and mushrooms and things like that. I was 20 and felt very artsy at the time, so yeah, I was just like that. But after a few minutes, I started to hear knocking on trees. I thought it was probably a bird, since we have woodpeckers around here, so hearing that wasn't unusual, I guess. But the strange thing was that I started looking for it since it came from a tree that was right beside me, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. Unlucky, I thought. I wanted to see if I could get a nice photo after all, but I decided to move on in the end. I continued walking into the forest when I noticed something. The knocking or the pecking seemed to follow me as I walked. It continuously knocked on trees close to me. At this point... I didn't think too much about it, but that would change after a little while. I stopped at a point that looked really nice to set up my camera on a tripod in and attempt to maybe snap some cool photos of the surrounding area and treetops. I sat down and continued to hear the knocking on a tree just a few meters behind me. And at this point, I started to feel a little bit weird since I hadn't really noticed how it seemed to follow me like that. A few seconds later, while changing my camera settings, I suddenly heard several very loud, clear, and heavy footsteps behind me that rapidly came closer and closer until it was right behind me, and my whole body instantly froze up. I have not till this day experienced chills like that through my entire body. After what felt like maybe several seconds, I flew up and turned to what I thought was some kind of a big animal, but... 
When I did, there was nothing there. For context too, besides a few trees, this area was not really that dense. Just a few trees here and there, but mostly moss and grass really. Which means that I should have seen it. In any case, I picked up all of my things and I started walking really quickly back towards my car. And that's when the knocking started again. It followed me again all the way and I just knew that something was mocking me. So I said out loud, yes, I'm leaving. I thought to myself that whatever it was, it didn't want me there. I continued to hear the knocking until I came back to the spot where I first started hearing it. And then it just stopped. I didn't though. I went straight back to my car and I immediately went home. Now, before this, I was skeptical about the paranormal, but it really changed my views. Since then, I've only ever had one more experience, but this one definitely really scared me. So about two years ago, I, a 16-year-old female, at the time 14 though, was home with my mum. It was just the two of us. My mum at the time was addicted to drugs and alcohol and was in an essentially drug-induced coma, so nothing would wake her up. I decided to take a bath while she slept. My bathroom door was locked, as was my mother's bedroom door, as she seemed to think that we didn't know about her addictions and kept it all locked so that we didn't find out. And so the house was completely silent. I had only been in the bath for maybe about half an hour before I heard my front door open. I assumed it was my older sister coming home back from work, as nobody else would just walk in like that. But I wanted to be sure, so I texted her. But immediately, I got very worried when she texted me back saying that, no, she wasn't home, why? Was somebody there? I froze. I could definitely hear footsteps now too. Our house was small, one story, and from the front door to the bathroom door was only like a small living room. And I heard a scraping noise coming up the hallway to the bathroom. I heard the scraping stop outside of the bathroom door, and then someone grabbed the doorknob and kept turning it very slowly side to side for about a minute. The entire time I sat there silent, frozen still and shaking like a leaf. I wanted to call my mum and ask if it was her, but I didn't want whoever it was to hear the sound and get to my mum. After a while, I didn't hear anything. I stayed in the bathroom for what I think was about an hour, until I heard the front door open and click shut softly. I still stayed in the bathroom in the bath long after the water had gone cold, until I heard my sister come in and yell if I was here and if I was okay and asked why the door was unlocked. I got out of the bath and heard her gasp before I had come out, but when I did, my blood instantly went cold. There was a line spanning the wall of the hallway where the paint had been cut off, like someone had trailed something sharp along the wall. Currently, the theory is that the scraping noise that I heard was someone trailing a knife on that wall just outside of that bathroom. Mm -hmm. 
The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot In 2017, I was an undergrad living with three other students in a rough student house in a big city. For context on the layout of the house, this will be beneficial for the story too. My bedroom was the only one on the ground floor beside the front door and opposite the kitchen. We only had a front door and front windows, no back door. My bed was in the middle of the room. The bottom of the bed was facing the bedroom door. There were three floors in total, two bedrooms on the second floor and another bedroom and sitting room on the third floor. Then one June evening, we all decided to head out, but with a few other friends who came around for pre-drinks, for a big drunken night out in the town to simultaneously celebrate end of exams, my 21st birthday, and one last big hurrah before everyone went back home or went traveling for the summer. Now, I'm not a huge clubber by any means, so me and my then boyfriend were ready to go home at around 1 or 1.30 in the morning. We hitched an Uber back, drunkenly got a takeaway, and passed out in bed at around 2.30. At 4.30, we were both jolted awake, though, by one of my housemates slamming open the door with, We've been robbed. We rubbed our eyes in bewilderment as neither of us had woken up and thought that she was playing some sort of horrible prank. I mean, surely, given our proximity to the front door, we would have heard something. We walked up the stairs to discover the upstairs rooms were largely ransacked and items were missing. Everyone's electricals that weren't on them were gone, like laptops, iPads, cameras. Passports were gone too and my housemate's weed stash was taken as well. A baseball cap from the girl whose room was on the third floor was found in another person's bedroom on the second floor, meaning that the intruder wore the cap and took it off as he or they proceeded through the house. It then hit me though, what about my room? I raced downstairs to check my belongings and discovered that my handbag at the bottom of the bed was missing and my ex's phone and wallet that were also at the bottom of the bed were also taken. My laptop was on the bedside table beside me and was untouched. But that means that the intruder or intruders managed to break open the front door go through the entire house, ransack rooms looking for things to steal, 
and actually opened the door of the bedroom that we were sleeping in to take things right in front of the bed that we were in. And we never woke up to any of it. To say that I was shook when I found out what had happened was an absolute understatement. The police came to take our statements eventually and file a report, but nothing ever came of it. To this day, I'm still super uneasy to go to bed in an empty house after that night. I'm forever thankful that we never actually woke up in the middle of the robbery or that I went home alone that night because the outcome could have been very different. So I shared something about some howling at night and early morning too, not too long ago, and also said that I'd been thinking about skinwalkers and had also been reading about them lately. Well, tonight, I was outside with my cousin helping him set up his new basketball hoop. We got finished with it and he was shooting some hoops while I was watching and it's about dusk at this point. Then he asks me if I want to go inside and I say sure. And then all of a sudden I hear, help me, please help me, someone help. It sounded like a little girl crying for help near our pond. I was a bit shaken by that and my cousin had already went inside the door but was waiting for me. At this point I'm shaking because it's almost like I knew what it was as soon as I heard it. My cousin came back out and I no longer heard it. Then I'm shaking my way back inside to tell my fiancé... And she looks out the bathroom window because it's looking out towards the pond. And she sees a little girl out there. Then she tells me to come look. Not even 10 seconds later. And not even 10 seconds later when I get there. There's nothing there. What the heck is happening though? First it was knocking and howling. But we're having actual experiences now. And I'm seriously starting to worry Obviously, I checked for any sign of an actual little girl, and there was no sign of anyone out there. It wasn't a real little girl, of that I'm sure, and I know that it wasn't. I know who lives around this area, in fact, and I know what happens around here. It's not just some distressed kid. I know that. But I've been reading up on skinwalkers and also thinking about them. I'm about 60% native and also just had a child, Lots of negative things are going on in the family right now. It's pretty chaotic and it's feeding off of these things, I think. Also, by the time that I got out there, there's no way that she would have fallen in the pond. And there was just no sign of anyone there anyway. There was no splashing in the water, no ripples, and also when I checked it this morning, there were no footprints or hair or shoes or clothes or anything either. It was muddy enough to see if someone had been there last night too. And... I think I'm going to start to try and catch this stuff on camera to document it because obviously something weird is going on. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
I've been asked many times now in responses and conversations all over the place to share my experiences as an order of St. John Chaplain and Demonologist. It's hard to know where to start to be honest, but the most important thing that I think is to say that these are my beliefs and experiences. I certainly don't begrudge you yours and definitely don't want to assert any kind of authority over the beliefs of others. As chaplains, we are not positioned within a church because we minister to communities. It really isn't our place to judge any member of that community, but only to care for and support them in their needs. Also, rule number one of the job is to disprove, disprove, and disprove again. Other than that, to save you the trouble, I'll share things in order of how much interest that I think that they get. I'll begin with experiences, then some insight into our processes, what I'm allowed to speak to anyway, how I got into the field, and then the training that I undertook. So, my experiences are this. General and passive paranormal experiences are part and parcel of the job. I'll touch on it more later, but I'm not afraid of things that go bump in the night. I used to be, but once you've studied and understand it, the paranormal loses its excitement and becomes more of a puzzle that needs to be solved. My passive experiences are things like every month or so I'll have some new knocking on our doors and windows, even though we live in a secure third floor apartment. I get random prods and pokes when I'm by myself, whispering, murmuring, growling, scratching, electrical interference, random mists, distorted shadows and shadow figures here and there. This has all become weekly occurrence, although when I say that it's usually just one of these things that happens, I deal with it and it goes away almost immediately. But this is probably my most fascinating one because it's a reoccurring event that happens every couple of months and I haven't yet solved the puzzle. You see, I travel a lot for my role, and at the moment I've been sent to one of our small towns to train people, run mental health programs, or help with large-scale crisis responses. This results in my driving for long hours, sometimes during the day and sometimes at night. And I will see the same stocky hitchhiking figure walking along the side of the road in a black hoodie and jeans, with hood up, thumb out... I've never stopped, mind you, and he's never turned around when I've approached. I've seen him at every point in the day, dawn, day, dusk, night. I mean, I've seen him in locations several hours' drive from each location as well. At first, I honestly thought that it was just a coincidence, but hitchhiking is really uncommon in our country. We're small and buses are really cheap, so to see this guy like that in so many different locations, something is definitely up. The next one, this is another reoccurring one, although it's newer. It's more annoying than anything else to be honest, but several times my partner and I have been woken to a long howl in our bedroom. Our windows are closed, apartment unit like I said, but it's ruining my sleep and I really enjoy my sleep, so this one is annoying. The next one, I'm actually thankful that it's resolved, but I had to deal with it over a series of years. To cut a long story short, whenever I was in the middle of a really tough case supporting someone in what we call spiritual warfare, I'd get a visit from whatever this was. It was the same every time, where I would have a dream of a cloaked figure, wake up to a spinning room, and I would be choking. I've had sleep paralysis episodes before, but this, this was definitely different. I'm still half convinced that this was some kind of sleep apnea issue or episode, 
The only thing that makes me think that it was paranormal is because it happened without fail when I dreamt of this figure and it stopped after I put some intentional work into stopping it. There are also some experiences of clients that unfortunately I cannot share because I've made a strict confidentiality agreement with them and that rests on my soul but generally speaking I've helped people deal with their psychological issues more than spiritual. Some spiritual ones have been fascinating and there's a feeling that I get when there's a real obvious sign of oppression or infestation. It's sort of like a heavy feeling on my chest and stuffy air sort of. I've helped people by blessing their houses which is a complicated process and depending on your beliefs can be somewhat risky. You essentially have to call forth the oppressing force, challenge it, rebuke it and either condemn it or suppress it if it can't be dealt with in one blessing. I've also helped people with deliverance, although I'm not really big on the evangelical deliverance ministry, we're a more traditional denomination, but I've never helped with an exorcism. I'm still relatively young for my role and while I am a commissioned member of the order, I'm not yet a fully fledged ordained minister or anything. So now to our processes. We have to be careful with what we share and that's for a really inane reason. We often get people who either want to play a prank or desperately want something paranormal to be happening and the information that we don't share is essentially the key information that we need while triaging our cases. What I can say though is how we view the paranormal is unusual. Anything paranormal by our theology is demonological, angelic or the Holy Spirit. When it comes to things that we humans get scared of, well, we're sort of hardwired to be scared of the paranormal if we believe in it. It's a non-interactable nocturnal threat, and it's really easy to trigger our limbic system. However, and again, just my view, I see paranormal activity as parlor tricks of a, a damned and jealous entity. But I have the power to send it back where it belongs, and it knows that, so it will struggle however it can. It will try and scare me because it is scared of me. And really it should be because I'm there to do a job. It's sort of like a spiritual pest extermination I guess but a moving cup, whispering, growling etc etc is nowhere as scary to me as say driving in heavy rain or the things that I've dealt with as a bouncer while I studied. Humans, dogs, even cats are more dangerous than most hauntings or paranormal experiences. One exception though is that Possession is incredibly dangerous, but insanely rare too. I'm not scared of these things, not because I'm tougher or brave or anything, but because they're not really actually that dangerous and they need to be condemned. That being said, if we go through an intensive investigatory sort of process, it looks a bit like this. So we're a medical order, we're also an indigenously focused arm of the order, and our perspective gives us a different worldview. When we assess a person, we don't just look at their spiritual health, we look at their social, physical, and psychological health as well. The first thing that we will do, fully funded, is have the person see a doctor and a psychologist for assessment. This isn't because we think that they're crazy, it's because we're building a comprehensive profile for exactly what we're dealing with. If someone is positive for physical or mental health issues that could be causing symptoms that they believe are spiritual, we need to treat those issues and see if the symptoms go away. Our church fully covers any costs associated with this process too. 
And if that doesn't solve the problem, my job is to definitively disprove the existence of paranormal activity or presences, but to do so while believing that there may still well be a presence. Skepticism is a good thing most of the time, but it's sometimes bad, I know that. We're not there to assume the issue is mundane. We take all the information that we can, assess it, and arrive at the likely outcomes. And we consider spiritual outcomes to be similar as likely as mundane ones. However, we still need to disprove all of the mundane theories that we can. But there's another layer to this, you see. Because we also need to prove all of the mundane theories too. This helps us have equality of information. So we won't be happy to say, oh, it's probably just this mundane thing, unless we can prove that. After this, if there is persistence of a spiritual issue, we begin our church-sanctified process of blessings and protections for the affected individual. These interventions vary on intensity dependent on the person, their faith relationship, and the persistence of whatever that we're dealing with. I didn't take a, a standard pathway to this either. A standard pathway is that you attend a church that believes in demonological study, get as involved as possible with whatever you can, talk to the pastor about your desire to study and follow this pathway, and see if the church will support you. It's a long pathway though. You can also try to become a sort of lay chaplain for certain denominations, but honestly, the best thing that you can do is wholeheartedly commit to a church, show them that you're willing, and they'll support your journey. My pathway was that I studied a youth psych degree and specialized in youth gangs. Then a church was investing into the community and looking for a Christian with my expertise to be their youth pastor. I worked there for some time and after a bit of a journey came back to my home denomination and that's who I work for now. I got a master's in professional practice, chaplaincy and a diploma in demonology but my psychology knowledge is what sets me apart for this ministry in the eyes of the church. I'm much more equipped to do a referral assessment than many of the clergy or congregation. My training in demonology comes from several sources. I completed the diploma at Bible College, but have also done a small amount of training under a course from Bishop James Long. I did the Paranormal Academy of the United Kingdom online course because it's not Christian, and I trained under our Archbishop for some time to specifically respond to the needs of the community in this regard. As a chaplain, this calling fit under my purview in his eyes, and when I need to escalate church involvement, I go straight to him. He taught me our beliefs, blessings, the process of our church, etc. He also taught me our church's stance on demonology, which is really old school. We're Anglican. King James was a demonologist, so it's a particular field for us. And that's pretty much it. I'm always open to helping people on here, so if you have trouble, please just reach out through a message. I'm also happy to answer questions and engage in a discourse, although I'm not going to be entirely engaging in what-ifs from the stories. For me, it's almost impossible to prove the paranormal online due to the nature of evidence and how easily it can be faked, so I'm not going to get into that. And I've peer-reviewed these things with my colleagues, so to me, I'm satisfied. But before finishing, I would like to offer a couple of more stories. So after I started to get more involved in spiritual guidance and conflict and intervention, we started noticing more stuff happening around the house. One thing that came to visit was a large dark figure. 
They were about 8 foot tall. I'm 6'4", so tall in my own regard, but this thing was huge. It was coming from an underground storage next to our room. We were staying in a basement. After getting involved in a particularly nasty case, things started with knocking on the door from the underground storage area. Once a day at random times, we would hear a simple sort of knock three times. The area was a brick-walled room with dirt floors though, but there was no external access by either wind or people. We largely ignored it, and when the knock happened, if I was there, I would rebuke whatever was knocking by letting it know that it wasn't welcome. My partner, however, opened the door after the knocking but didn't tell me. She's not as spiritual as I am and she was curious to figure out what the knocking was. The next day, we were relaxing in bed when the guitar standing next to the door strummed twice incredibly loudly. Again, I rebuked, but again, I didn't know that she'd answered the door. That night, I was struggling to fall asleep. I was tossing and turning and was frustrated, so I opened my eyes to go to my phone. And when I did, roughly 20 feet away, I saw a huge black shadow figure standing in the corner looking at us. It was well built with broad shoulders and a strong looking body. I was frozen with shock at first and then I flashed my phone screen in its direction. It didn't disappear immediately though, which shocked me to be honest, but sort of slowly dissipated from the bottom upwards. I prayed an incantation and I went back to sleep. The next night though was the same. I struggled to sleep and had a feeling and when I was almost asleep I opened my eyes and again there was the figure except this time it was standing next to the door to the underground area. I grabbed my blessed tire that's a Maori weapon and stood then started to perform a fairly serious prayer. This half woke my partner up this matters soon too and as I prayed in the darkness the same thing happened. The figure slowly disappeared. The next day my partner asked what I was doing and I told her. I then asked her if she had seen anything and she said that she'd been hearing the knocking and tried to find the source. I asked her if she'd opened the door after knocking and she said yes. So I finally did what I should have but was probably too scared to at the time in case I picked a fight that I couldn't win. I was new to all of this at the time and blessed both our room and the storage room. I used frankincense and myrrh incense, holy water, and prayers in English, Latin, and my native Maori language. I placed an iron cross above the door on the inside of the house and placed bigger wooden crosses above all of the entry points to my room, including that one. And, thankfully, I've had no problems since and have gained a heck of a lot more confidence due to a lot more exposure. To this day, though, I'm not 100% sure what I was dealing with at that point. So, to be honest, I would really like to hear if anybody else has had experiences like this to try and gain some more information and perspective on perhaps what it could have been. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. 
If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.